Are you the captain of your ship? Really? You think you are? Or is someone else? What is it that the potter can do with the clay? And does the clay have an answer? Let's talk about that next. We like to think that we are the captain of our own ship at times, that God is our co-pilot. Have you seen that? Huh? Yeah, and we're the pilot? I don't think so. Here in Romans chapter 9, the Apostle Paul makes it pretty clear. We are nothing more than clay, and God is the potter. There's a lot to be said here in the first 29 verses of chapter 9 in the book of Romans, so let's get right to it, shall we? What the potter can do with the clay, part of our series, Israel's Past, Present, and Future. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. going to explain to them why just being racially tied to Abraham does not make you the people of God. And he's going to begin to show to the patriarchal family how God has always had a people even from the physical descendants of Abraham. And he was selective even in that. Follow me. Look, listen to what the text says. It is not as though God's word had failed. What do you mean? Why did you bring that up? Because all Jews are not being saved. God is not failing towards Israel. Hey, we've all got to be saved or God's failed. No, no, no. God's word has not failed. Let me explain to you, Paul's going to say, who it is that God saves and why and his process. There are two kinds of people that come out of Abraham, is what he's going to say. Two kinds of people. Watch what he says. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Wow. Come on, that's confusing. I thought if Abraham's your father, that settles it. No, no. Let me illustrate. Watch. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. Well, I'm really confused. If he's the father, they've got to be Israel. How can they be anything else? He's the father of Israel. And you're saying, if he's your father, you're not Israel. I'm confused. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are God's children. But it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time... I will return, and Sarah will have a son. What's she getting at? Well, Abraham happened to get, had two women in his life. He had Sarah, who laughed at the thought that she could ever have children. Isaiah 51 said, when God decided to give children through Abraham and Sarah, it was like God getting children out of a rock. Her womb had become a tomb. Her womb was dead insofar as procreation and having any children. It it was an impossibility on a human level. She was beyond the age of bearing children. God, haven't you read the latest on women? They don't have children up in their 70s. But Sarah was not dumb. She said, I know a gal that can give you. I'm tired of being bugged about getting a child on board. I can't give you. 
Just be glad she wasn't one of Henry's wives. Let me tell you, Abram, I'm not too jealous. You want a baby? I got this handmaiden, Hagar. You and her going to the tent. She can give you the baby. I'll be your first love. Okay. Sounds okay with me. All I want is a baby. Took like that. Hagar says, I'm pregnant. Yippee, throw a party. Everybody's excited. Abraham said, we got it. They're on board. God shows up. Genesis 18 says, uh, you know, uh, Ishmael was not what I was thinking of in my plan. I said you'd have a child with Sarah and the promised seed will come to her. Now, Ishmael, I will bless. But this is not the promised line. I want to see a promised child, and I'll come at the appointed time. And when you're nearly 100 years old, Abraham, I'm going to cause Sarah to have a baby, and she's going to name the baby Laugh. Let everybody laugh. Isaac, start laughing. That's what his name means. This is a laugh. I cannot. Oops, I feel something. Yeah, that's you, Sarah. You're going to have a baby. So we got two lines. We got Ishmael, the father of the Arab world, the father that lives to the east of Israel and becomes their perpetual enemy. Even when they're coming out of Exodus, the, out of Egypt, they attack them. Bad relation. The book of Obadiah is written against Edom. It's bad blood. Bad blood. Well, right there. Okay. Let's see. You, Abraham, if he does the fathering, Ooh, and all Jews knew that we weren't of Ishmael, right? We're of Isaac, right? So there's, there's some differentiation, right? Yeah, let's go down to Isaac. Isaac, they had some children. He married Rebekah, right? And they have a set of twins, right? And they both become the promised children. No, Esau does not become the line. Matter of fact, God rejects his line and he chooses the promise to go through Jacob. And that's really complicated. We both got the right parents, we got the right mother, we got the right father, but there's a differentiation that's going to happen. Wait a minute. I want you to understand, Israel, just physical, racial identity with the patriarchs doesn't mean you are the chosen. You're in a chosen nation, but within a chosen nation, God has a chosen people. And you won't get to heaven because you're in the chosen nation. But you must have a real relationship with the living God within the nation. There's a people within a people. Now, let's make some distinctions here. Uh, What was the big deal? What was the big difference between these children? Verse 8, it is not the natural children who are God's children. So what's he telling Israel? It's not natural-born Jews that are the real children of God. It's those who have been supernaturally born. Just like Isaac. You must be supernaturally born, Israel, 
to be God's people. This is exactly what he told Nicodemus. It's not enough that you be a teacher of Israel and a Pharisee. You must be born from above, Nicodemus. And just being a religious Pharisee and being Jewish to your toenails will not get you into the kingdom. For God said, even through Jeremiah 31, something must happen in the heart for you to be the people of God. He said it all the way back in Deuteronomy 30. You must have a circumcision of a heart and not a circumcision done by hand. And that is, you must be a people of faith towards me. Wow. It's not just enough to be racially tied to Abraham. You must be of a supernatural kind of birth. And then we go on down, and when we come to Esau and to Jacob, he starts saying something. Uh, Listen, not only that, but Rebekah's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger, totally against all propriety in that culture. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Malachi 1.13 is what he's quoting. Chosen Jacob's line. You rejected Esau's line as the promised line. What can we say? What was God's choice based upon? First of all, what it was not based upon. Why did you choose Jacob instead of Esau? And he's going to tell them. Number one, we've mentioned that the Isaac first, that it's not based upon a natural connection, but a supernatural. And two, with these twins, the choice of them was not based upon their character because they had neither one done good or bad. They had not even been born yet when God made his choice. Who does God think he is? You didn't get their permission? No. You can't do that. Why? That's that way we human beings operate. Well, you got it. I'm not human. I'm God. I'm telling you how I did it. I'm not asking for you to correct me. But we will want to before it's over. He already anticipates it. This is astounding. You mean, because we've always got to say, if you get chosen for the team, the one doing the choosing saw something in you better than the one he didn't choose. He wants the best ball handler, the best performance, the best profile. And yet God says, by the way, I didn't choose either one of these boys based upon their character. I chose them before they'd been able to do anything. In the womb, I chose them. Astounding. And then he goes on to say, I just, if you didn't understand me, it's not by works that I called them. But it was by the one who calls. It was totally locked up in me. So, what was your choice based upon? He said, my purpose, verse 11. I chose you within my purpose for my desires, for my plan, whatever that is, as it's revealed. But I chose them in keeping with my divine purpose. And God says this to us all, even as believers. Ephesians 1 chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Verse 11, according to his purpose, he's working all things together for his good pleasure. 
let you know that those who are in his family, he had a say in it. He chose you before the foundation of the world. You read a second uh, Timothy 1.9 that we were put into his family according to his purpose, which was by grace. Overwhelming, overwhelming, put in God's favor by nothing we had done to gain it. This is amazing. He says in verse 12, they were put in the family because of God's divine call, not because of anything they particularly had done. Now, we have to wrestle with this verse, and it's a tough one. Uh, How is it that God could say, I love Jacob and I hated Esau? Now, when he quotes that from Malachi 1, there is a corporate national representation. Two nations are involved in Malachi, that Jacob represents Israel, and Esau represents uh, the people of Edom and those opposed to him. So he said, I've chosen to favor you, Israel, over the Edomites and the descendants of Esau. This word for hate here is not an emotional animosity. Because if you study the history of Esau, God blessed him plenty. When he and Jacob were reconciled, God had blessed him with crops and with uh, flocks and with wives. So God's personal blessing went along with Esau. But the hate is measured this way. I chose Jacob. I didn't choose Esau. And in the context, that would be considered as it were hate. I simply chose my promised seed and my promised line is going to come down through Jacob. And so, uh, why didn't you choose me? I want us to look uh, at 1 Corinthians where Paul told the church. I've only got, I'm going to try to finish in five minutes. Pick up 1 Corinthians 1, 26. He's writing to the church, to the brothers and sisters, and he says this to them. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose If you were God, what kind of people would you choose? Watch this. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things, and it really means the things of no significance, even used of no noble birth. And the despised things, and it's in a Greek verb tense, it was despised and it still is despised of no value. And the insult of all things and the things that are not. In Greek philosophy, being was everything. And here he's saying, you are people who did not even have a sense of being and I chose you. To nullify the things that are. Why did you do it? Why did you pick these kind of people that no one may boast before God? Boast about what? You got me because I'm the smartest. You got me because I'm the best. 
You got me because I'm a cut above the other. You picked the best when you picked me. He said, oh, no, no, no. I picked the unlikely. I picked the ungodly. I picked the unworthy. The uncharacter. You would never pick these kind of people if you were picking. But I picked them because I had a motive. I wanted to pick the kind of people that when it's said and done, nobody could be boasting in God's presence. You got me because I'm really above the average. We can boast about me. He said, I did it just the opposite. But why did you? How could I have a standing? Your only standing is through Christ in verse 30. He won your standing. Not your brilliance, not your greatness, not your noble birth, not your prestige, and not your haughty estimate of yourself. Listen to what he says. It is because of him, Christ, that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Conclusion. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. God has a true people. Let me say what he, I think he said. His people are not natural born. They're divinely born. They're not uh, according to human standards, but by divine choice. They're related to God, not by race, but by grace. They're related to God, not by their works, but by God's divine choice of them. It's not according to their character, but according to God's mercy. Not everyone, but some. I love the story of uh, Dr. James Gray when he was teaching at uh, Moody Bible Institute. He had a student come to him. And said, Dr. Graham, bothered by this verse, he said, what verse is that? And he showed him the verse that says, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated. And Dr. Gray says, I have a great problem with that verse too. Tell me, son, what's your problem? He said, I'm bothered greatly by the fact he said he hated Esau. And Dr. Gray says, you know what? I'm greatly bothered by the fact he loved Jacob. Conniver, deceiver. You're wearing wool to go in and deceive your daddy to get the birthright passed on. You wait till you see your brother nearly famished and you whip out a little soup so you can talk him out of the birthright. Uh, Come on, this man, you love Jacob, God? Don't you know character? Don't you know this is a conniver? This is a heel snatcher? This guy is, uh, he's going to, when he's working for Laban, he's not just ordinarily watching animals uh, mate. He's cutting up uh, the, you know, the tree limbs and stuff, putting them in front of him, hoping he gets a different color animal that's born. This is, this is a shrewd, shrewd, tricky man. And he deserved Laban. Good for Laban. Get back to the conniver. And when you've got to work 14 years to get two women, your father-in-law got to you. He got free labor for 14 years just to get my two wives, daughters. What does it do? I have to say this. I ask you this question. Have you been chosen of God? The only way you can know that you've been chosen of God today is that you've come and put faith in Christ. It's the only way you know. You sit around all day and be like some hard shell Baptist and say, well, we can't ever know. You can know. John said you can know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5, 13. I know I'm saved and I'm not waiting for John Calvin or somebody else telling me I can't know. I know. 
I have put faith in Jesus Christ. I know. That's how I know. But what's so beautiful, Harry Ironside said it this way years ago, that when you're outside of Christ, the door says, whosoever will, let him come. Let him come. Whosoever will. And you'll never know. You'll never know the rest until you step through the door. Uh, Once you step through the door by faith and you receive Christ, you'll look up on the other side of the door and it will say, chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. You said, you, you mean all the time you had chosen? Yeah, but I wasn't ever going to let you know until you received my son. It's not until you receive Christ that you get into all the family riches and all the family stories. Do you like family history? My sister's got a, a book she's writing. She's up to 400 some odd pages on this family history. I have to keep her and my brother Paul alive to know where we came from. See, and they love to tell all the history of we came from here and we've got family here and we've got that. But once you get into the family, you look back, say, how did this family start? How did I get in it? And what God would say is, God saved you on purpose. He chose you on purpose. And the last thing he would want you to do is to boast in anyone but him. You ought to be worshiping God If you learn no other truth the rest of this year, you ought to be bound out every day. How is it that you would choose me? How is it that you would want me? How is it with having done no good nor evil, having done nothing to win your favor? And this is where the theologians all got to say, it can't be he just arbitrarily chose. There must be merit. And that will pick up next week. What? merit did you have that would make God want you as far as I can see zero the mystery is how he loved us Jacob's at all so you must come to know Christ and he'll tell you the rest of the story our father we thank you that you have a chosen people throughout history and uh We boast in a God that would have us. We boast in a God who all day would extend his arm for us to come to Christ. Come to Christ. We pray, give us understanding. And instead of big heads, give us a big heart and give us a heart of worship. Deliver us from arrogance. How could we be arrogant and stand before such awesome truths that say... Had I not taken the initiative, you would have never known me. I'm the one. I'm the one that has enabled you to know me. Boast in me. Boast in me. Amen. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, and you're listening to our series called Israel's Past, Present, and Future, taken from a larger set out of the entire book of Romans. So we close out our time together here today on Truth For Today. We would remind you that copies of the series are available for $15 or more. It's an eight-CD set that we're making available to you when you ask for it by name, Israel's Past, Present, and Future. Now, if you would like the entire 47-sermon CD set out of Romans, the entire book of Romans, that's available for a gift of $100 or more when you contact us at 
833-933-9864. Your donations are all tax deductible and they go to further the ministry here on KFAX. Please remember that. These are donations that we use directly in conjunction with the radio broadcast to make sure that it continues here on KFAX. So bear that in mind as you contact us for these resource materials, or if you're feeling led just to be a sponsor and a supporter of the radio broadcast, we'd love to hear from you as well. TFT sustainers are those who receive our quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and you also have access to Take a Break. It's Pastor Phil's weekly video devotional. And it's all available for those of you who come to us saying, yes, I'd like to be a part of the ministry. I'd like to be a TFT sustainer. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. We'd love to hear from you today. Would you call us? Again, the phone number is 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, 94547 is our zip code. You can also find out more information about us as well as the greater ministry at Valley Bible Church by visiting our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. You're always welcome to join us for worship as well here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We have two service times, 9 and 11. For the directions and more information, again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org or give us a call, 855-833-9864. And would you let one of the ushers know that you're paying us a visit through the radio program? That would mean an awful lot to us. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Music